Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Patrick Hunter here, and welcome to the Knuckles and Gloves podcast. I'm here with my dude, Eris Pina, who is, of course, a copy box operator and fellow just boxing and boxing history lover like myself. And we're doing a end of the year awards show, like just about a lot of people do, but it's pretty important. 2021 was a big year, man. It was a fun year. How are you doing, man? Doing really good, man. And uh, like you said, dude, it was a really good year, really fun year, a lot of good fights, a lot of big things happen in the sport as always but yeah this was um considering how many fights and cancellations happened because there was a lot and a lot of disappointments a lot of it was made up because there was some incredible fights incredible action and drama involved you know if you're part of boxing you gotta take both sides yeah i honestly was like i'm not gonna lie dude it's easy to get down get kind of like doom and gloom or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. the pandemic messed a lot of stuff up on the outset of 2021 it looked like a lot of stuff was ruined or off wasn't going to happen you know etc etc um the quarantines for this and that were you're still in the bubble at the beginning of 2021 correct i i think so yeah i'm pretty sure yeah because there was that whole like winter surge or whatever and in any case yeah dude it, it looked bad but there were a number of really high level fights entertaining fights a number of fighters who really came through yeah man you know there was a big some a lot of big upsets you know unexpected rises to contendership guys who made a complete turn in a good way that just rose and now some of the top names in the sport when at the beginning of the year they were still kind of an obscurity um other fighters who kind of resurrected their careers when you thought they had their last swan song and um we you know put us solidified i guess um a big drama, you know, chapter in the heavyweight division as well. Also, too, you know, we, you know, crowned an undisputed champion in um, in a division that never had one. So lots of things did happen. Yeah, some pretty cool stuff. You know, uh, there was, for as much as you and I, I guess we're not heavy against alphabet belts or anything. We don't really preach about it the way that some others do. I mean, like, it's funny to think now with the alphabets that, like, I was a kid when I first got into sport, and obviously the alphabets were like, you know, large and in charge, but there was only three of them that were still, that were like taken into consideration seriously. And the WBO was still kind of like on the fringes, but everybody back then, at least the old timers and other people that had been around the sport for decades before that were always complaining there's too many sanctioned bodies, too much stuff, get rid of these alphabet things. We need the eight divisions back, yada, yada, yada. And here we are now at the end of 2021, about to go into 2022, and we have more sanctioning bodies. And not only that, within the belts, you know, multiple champions of each division, all kinds. It's it's more wild than ever and more confusing than ever to be a boxing fan. So, like, I'd love to, like, wonder if you could transplant those old timers from back in the 90s or 80s even and who may not be around today and put them 
in today's era and to see their heads explode when they realize what was going on. <laughs> see how many opportunities they would have to be a champion, basically. I mean, well, just like these guys that would go there and they would see this and like, I mean, like the writers and the fans and others who would always complaining and just be like, what the hell's going, you know, I can't take this. We need to go back. If they came today and they were, if they were transplanted in today's world, they would just lose their goddamn, excuse me, they'd lose their minds. You yeah, know what I mean? Like absolutely sure. shit, completely. There's no way they wouldn't because it's like, um, it, it, yeah, man. In today's world of boxing, dude, it's so confusing to be a champion. Lightweight division's perfect example. You know, with the WBC, you saw that press release that Suleiman came out with uh, the other day, where he said David Haney's champion, but also Cambosis is our champion. We're proud of them both, and then he kind of went on some weird tangent trying, but none of it made any sense. So that's where we're at. That's basically that sums up boxing as a whole right now. Yeah, basically just uh, a bunch of nonsense. So it, it's just kind of like... concentrate on the fights. Concentrate on the fights. Concentrate on exactly. the fighters. Don't worry about the belts. And We don't come out against the belts the way that a lot of people do, but we obviously don't rely on them the way that a lot of people do as well. But it's funny to then also kind of turn around and say, ah, oh, well, such and such is undisputed, but also such and such. And it's like, well, then you have to pay some attention. If you're going to be talking about undisputed or or giving that any sort of credence or uh, you know assigning that any sort of relevance and being undisputed, point is there were a lot of accomplishments, a lot of cool accomplishments this year, and thankfully a number of fighters and fights came through to kind of salvage the year and then some. It was a good year. There were, there were a lot of unexpected things and mostly unexpectedly good things. So I guess that's that's what it's all about is celebrating 2021. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. And um, with that being said, I guess who is your fighter of the year? Man, I, I honestly think <clears throat> it's going to be between two fighters, in my opinion, or at least especially from what I've seen from uh, a lot of people whose opinions I would value and whose opinions I, I trust. It's going to be between Alexander Usyk and Canelo Alvarez. I think that's the consensus for everybody. That's mine too. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that there's an argument to be made that when things happen at heavyweight, they tend to be a little bit more important, right or wrong, better or worse. That's just kind of how it happens. Um, but for me, Canelo Alvarez unifying and becoming quote unquote undisputed, however you want to, you know, how, however much worth you want to assign that at 168 pounds that's pretty big and also finding a way to be as active as he was that's huge is big i mean it's it's almost kind of dumb that we've gotten to the point where it's like well if you fight four times you're in you know like i mean it's kind of stupid that we've gotten to that point that's how that's how oscar won his fighter of the year i think from fighting five times back in the late 90s it's yeah, it's just and and I think that this uh, if we talk about prospect of the year, that'll kind of swing back to that as well. But the point is, um, you know, being active is big, but it was also who, who he was active against. Um, he was active against fighters who were considered top at 168 pounds, really only left one stone unturned and might not be unturned for that long. So, I mean, I, I think that that's just in and of itself, overall, a bigger accomplishment. Had Oleksandr Usyk defeated Tyson Fury, that I think we'd be having a different discussion. But he didn't, so. 
I mean, when it comes to the heavyweights, you're totally correct because there's been other times in the past too where a fighter just all he had to do was fight either once or twice that year. And if it was a big enough win at the heavyweight division, that automatically catapulted him to be in fighter of the year. Because it, it does. It holds it. It's, you know, whether it's warranted or not, um, major victories at heavyweight are held to a higher standard just because of how the heavyweight division has been viewed in history and just over the years, you know, heavyweight champion is like the main dude. So I can, and Usyk from coming up from cruiserweight, um, completely wiping out that division, moving up to heavyweight, and his first two fights in this division, people were questioning maybe how, you know, he was going to fare at the elite level because it looked like he struggled in spots, especially in the Chisora fight. So, but no, man, he put on an absolute masterclass against um, Joshua. And a lot of experts were correct in that. They picked Usyk to win. Um, and it was one of those fights that, like, Usyk really just put it together. And then afterwards, what made it even kind of scary was that the fact of the matter was that, like, after the fight, he goes, you haven't even seen my best yet. And you got the sense that he really, you really haven't. You know, he pushed himself. You, you know, he put himself in a gear, but you really, you can tell he didn't have to push himself to, like, that top-level gear where he really had to put all everything together. Like, he was just, you know, he still was enough in control that he was able to control Joshua the way he did. And it was a beautiful performance. It solidified himself as probably the best boxer in the division, um, <clears throat> aside from Fury being, you know, the top dog. And the big fight that is to be made now is Fury and Usyk, I would say, for next year. I mean, whether it can come together or not is a whole other issue. You know how that goes, but... That's the fight to be made right now. Um, what looks like it's going to happen is that Usyk is probably going to go into a rematch with Joshua, which we I think we both said that was probably going to happen that first time we discussed this. But, you know, Usyk did, put himself there, man. He's one that not only did he put himself at the top of the heavyweight division, he put himself at the cusp of maybe being, you know, potentially the best fighter in the world. If anything, he's in the top three. So, yeah, man, that's a hell of a year just off of one, after one major victory like that. And Canelo, like we mentioned, um, same thing, man. He, like you, activity is key, especially for guys at that top level who are considered the elite in the world. You know, it's not, activity is not one of the strong suits. It hasn't been for many, for, you know, a couple of decades now, not since the days of Delahoyer and James Honey and others, where people, the top elite fighters, very, very active like that. And, People were, you know, were criticizing Canelo's first fight of the year against um, Yidrim, but that was a stay-busy fight. He had deserved that, and if anything, that's good that he was still doing that because that's, a, that's something that doesn't happen, um, excuse me, very often with elite fighters. You know what I mean? When's the last time you fought, you saw Floyd Mayweather take a stay-busy fight when he was active or any other top, like, fighters like that? You know, Errol Spence or any of these guys. There's no such thing as a stay-busy fight like that, just, you know, and Canelo did that. He expectedly blew him out. But like you said, his next two opponents after that were the top guys in the division, the ones that people have been clamoring for him to fight, the ones that guys said he was going to have a lot of issues with, and more or less he, you know, beat the hell out of him. He had a little bit of trouble here and there, but they were competitive fights. They weren't like complete blowouts, but at the end of the day, he proved his dominance and he proved himself to be the number one in the world. So, yeah, absolutely, man. Canelo is definitely the best in the um, – Considering everything that happened in 21, he had some tough competition, but heads and shoulders, he should be the best uh, considered fighter of the year. Yeah, I think even if you go back even just a couple weeks into 2020 and you add that in, which is obviously unfair, but I mean, it. I mean, I don't know, maybe it is a little fair too, because you're generally not going to consider that 
for for end of the year awards you know something that happens in the last week or so of the mm-hmm. of the year but regardless uh even if you just go back a week or so into 2020 he defeated Callum Smith and i mean uh you know beat the hell out of Callum Smith so yeah. i mean <laughs> that's that's a another kind of feather in his cap as it were and i think that the unfortunate part with that win especially is that uh, the 2020 being hindsight type of thing is that uh, many people have said, well, yeah, he looked like shit against John Ryder, which he did. He probably should not have won that fight. But before that looked really good. Pretty much that fight aside looked really good at 168 pounds and was considered, you know, if not. Oh, yeah, he was dog. considered a major threat to Canelo. Everyone on no, Twitter. No question. Yeah, absolutely. And even even uh, in terms of size and style, I thought that there would potentially be a big problem there and he wound up not being a problem whatsoever he walked straight through him that was what was shocking and so the fact that he's handling these fighters like he is I think is probably that's that's a big portion of the dominance and a big portion of this kind of fighter of the year push that I agree with so I mean I think that if Alexander Usyk had another strong win on his ledger he'd have a much better argument but he doesn't and I get it it's not totally his fault but regardless of whose fault it is, Canelo's the one who stayed busy. Canelo was the one who drove so much interest in uh, in uh, sub heavyweight boxing in 2021. It's it's huge. Yeah, and there's no uh, no question he's the biggest star in the sport um, by far. You know. Um even casual fans or fan people that are not really fans of boxing know the name of Canelo Alvarez. So yeah, he pushed the name, like besides the heavyweight division, he's just, like you said, he's kind of pushed, you know, pushed it everywhere. So yeah. And and sorry to interject, but people are going to say, people are going to say, well, AJ can sell out as such and such in the UK or Tyson Fury. And yeah, there's no argument for that, but that's a, that's also a, a different not to make excuses, but it's a different environment, dude. It's a different type of enthusiasm for boxing and a different, like, you know, I, I, I don't want to say anything wrong or anything disparaging the UK in their boxing scene at all. So I'm not going to, but I just <laughs> think that it's, it's a different, it's different. And they're, they're heavyweights, which is a big part of this, but Canelo is just massive, dude. No, man, he has that type of appeal where it's almost rival, not, quite there i would in my opinion but uh rivaling you know make comparisons i guess to like delahoy in the 90s for popularity you know what i mean like overall becoming like a crossover type uh crossover star and and uh the whole i think uh, one of the things the established the establishment and kind of pundits like to say is well you need to learn english if you're going to be successful and I don't really even know how true that totally is, number one. Oh, I was just going to mention that. But yeah, he, as fluent as he is now, the way he speaks. Yeah, and now he speaks great, dude. He could hurl motherfuckers like, well, yeah. except except <laughs> for the one exception where he took it literally. He took motherfucker literally. <laughs> that one time, even though he was hurling it a bunch of times over <laughs> and over to everybody else. One time it gets hit back to him and he takes it literally. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that was unfortunate. So maybe he gets knocked down a peg, but he still gets fighter of the year. I don't know. Maybe that maybe that actually pushes that actually helps his case. It's given- just hilarious that like he throws it around to other people. That wasn't the first time we've heard him say it. You know what I mean? Because he obviously said it to Andre. And I'm sure he said it before to others. And then <laughs> and then finally someone says it back to him. And then he just kind of he's like, wait a minute, you can't say that. That's about my mom. <laughs> yeah, that's my mother. Yeah. Wait a was have I saying that the whole time? Yeah, I don't know though. Maybe that gives him a little extra clout given given Caleb Plant that two piece. <laughs> didn't land clean, did. but it was, it was good stuff, man. Nah. And then finished him in the ring. Yeah, there's no way Canelo is the top dog and uh, fighter of the year and the best fighter pound for pound in the world. And that fight, uh, actually, a couple of the Canelo, a couple of Canelo fights, the Saunders fight and the Plant fight, both produce some serious meme worthy material too so i mean like i don't know that doesn't count in his favor officially but it's pretty good Um, and it's just you know like the way he was it wasn't just like close decisions that he won or anything like that it was like dominating fights he potentially ended billy joe saunders's career you know we're not sure if he's still going to be able to come back from the eye injury because that was a ghastly injury that he suffered you know just saying that was one of the worst ones they'd ever seen like his eye socket was shattered so you go from there, and then also Billy, um, excuse me, not Billy Joe Saunders, um, Caleb Plant, after, you know, he suffered, even though it wasn't like, it was pretty, it was an extended beatdown he took. Like, he took an extended beatdown slowly throughout the fight, kind of like what Canelo usually dishes out to different opponents. But as the rounds went on and it got more and more pronounced, yeah, man, he took, he took quite a bit until he was, you know, completely finished. So we'll see how he's going to come back from that. Because near the end, he just took some good punishment. You know what I mean? So Canelo put the explanation mark on his uh, performances. That, too, solidified him as fighter of the year. And it also kind of weeded out the dumbasses who had Saunders and Plant ahead in the scoring, respective. <laughs> it, kind of, it kind of singled, but the fights kind of singled them out. No, yeah, I, there was a few people. I remember that <laughs> was saying that. I think Plant's ahead right now. Oh, Saunders, I think he's winning him. You know, he's outboxing Canelo. Really? All of a sudden, as this being said, <laughs> yeah, it was it was like uh, almost on the level of I'm gonna let him out the cage. I'm, I'm gonna let him oh, out the yeah, cage. Yeah, yeah, right I'm gonna let him out the Boom. cage. Let him out the cage. Bow. <laughs> yeah, almost as good as that. Almost. Now Canelo, uh, you know, he he generated some serious interest, uh, and that's not to say he was the only entity or only fighter or group of fighters or whatever that did, but he definitely um, kind of took the idea that he's. Uh, carrying the torch or whatever for boxing. He took it, ran with it. He's done well. He's done what he's supposed to do. And he kind of went above and beyond, I think, what was expected of him in 2021. So for that reason, well, for I think sure. you got to hand it to him. Easily, easily. So so let's say, uh, what was your fight of the year then, dude? Because there were actually a number, a surprising amount of really- Oh yeah, man, there were a ton of awesome fights this year. Um. Honestly, I have to say, as probably you know, it was a close one. It was either between it was it went back and forth between Fury Wilder and um, and uh, Chocolatito against Estrada. But I gotta say, Fury Wilder. Yeah. So at the end of the day, like, and not to say that it was you know Foreman Lyle the entire fight, but like there were just when there was drama, there was incredible drama in that, and. 
when people thought beforehand, oh yeah, Wilder still had a puncher's chance, but I think everyone went in with thinking that Fury was still just going to, you know, after what he did in the second fight, the way Wilder, had, you know, how fragile his mind seemed and the way everything had been going about him. Um, even though he was training with Malik Scott, I think the general consensus still was that Fury would still kind of walk through him. Maybe it would take a couple of more rounds, but, you know, just more or less the same thing that we saw in the second fight. And when it came close to that, after the first couple of rounds, I think, what was it, Fury, when he dropped into round three, it kind of looked like a mere formality after that, but that's where all the drama started, clearly, the next round. And, you know, that drama, the hysterics, man, I lost my voice yelling at the TV. I think everybody else was going through the same type of shit. Like, there was something, you know, you, heavyweight boxing is something else, man. Like, when it gets awesome and exciting and there's drama involved and this dude's flopping around and getting dropped and back and forth with some wild haymakers and all it takes is one punch before either guy to win, there's nothing quite like it so with that all that and considering the implications everything that this fight represented the um you know fury being champion and finally you know trying to conclude this trilogy with wilder with all the controversy controversy i say with in quotations i mean that was all insinuated by wilder but like all the stuff all the drama that was going on beforehand this was yeah it everything you know build it up this was it I agree, dude. Um, you know, Juan Francisco Estrada versus Chocolatito, the rematch was so good. The, the action was sustained. There were a lot of, there was just like combination punching in every round. Uh, it was a clinic on inside fighting from both fighters at different times. Both guys seemed hurt or wobbled at different times. And if you pick that for your fight of the year, no argument, no problem, all good. Yeah, I think that it's got to be. So, I mean, just I guess we've already kind of picked one award here and we're about to pick the, uh, the other one. But I guess for me, a lot of this type of end of the year awards and voting and stuff like that comes down to what level did this take place on? Because obviously, dude, we've seen knockouts and fights and stuff like that the last year or two that are just like some of the most brutal shit you've ever seen in your life. But it wasn't for a world title or it wasn't world class level or it was like sloppy as shit or it was like, yeah, dude got blasted out of the ring or something like that, but he fucking sucked and the other guy was good or you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, what yeah. level did this take place take place on? And if you look at that, I mean, there's only a couple of fights that that happened that were like world class this year that were that good, in my opinion. You know, you have obviously Fury Wilder three, like you said, Estrada Chocolatito two, like you said. Probably uh, a lot of people are going to say that Gervonta Davis versus Isak Cruz should be up there. I think that that's probably kind of toward the top of the middle group. You know what I mean? But yeah, like, I'm not sure. But it was good. Yeah, it was a very good fight, especially but, because it was the near the end of the year. Um, yes, it's going to be fresh in people's fresh minds. Other, yes, exactly. Yeah, and so people are going to be thinking about that. But I thought that uh, Fulton Figueroa was better fight than that. Uh, Jermel Charlo versus Brian Castaño was a better fight than that. So I think that those four are probably. I can agree with that. Yeah. Those four are probably closer to like you know the the top of the heap, and of those four. The two separate ones, obviously, are Estrada Chocolatito 2 and Fury Wilder 3. And of those two, you know, kind of narrowing this down here, I'm going to go with Fury Wilder 3. Because even though the action was sustained, 
between the little guys, it was like the moments of drama between Fury and Wilder were like heart stopping shit, you know, yes. like, yeah. oh my God, like, no, you know, that, that, that can't like happen. Compared it to Ali Frazier and stuff like. I mean, it, yeah. And, and on, there's a tendency to do that shit in the moment. And then there's like a backlash, a tendency to backlash against that and say, no fucking way. That didn't hold, it doesn't hold up to Frazier Ali. It doesn't hold up to Foreman Lyle. And I mean, when you look back though, and then you watch them back to back, like they're both really, really good. I don't think that the comparisons are really that off. Obviously. No, especially with that third fight. That third fight is as good. That That's one of the best ones you'll see. You got to go back almost to like, you know, Burt Cooper, Michael Moore type style or something like that to find something as wild well, and the exchanges and as and, good. And people are yeah. talking about like, oh, and look how sloppy it was. Dude, look at some of the best heavyweight fights, man. And yes. I, used, I used this example right in the aftermath of the fight when we talked about it because it was so great. But I used this example of Dempsey Furpo where people mm-hmm. were, people are talking about that shit and it's been a hundred years, dude. People are still talking about it, but if you go watch this fight, it's one of the sloppiest things you've ever seen. They're like wrestling around. Dempsey gets pushed through the ropes and kind of punched. But like, you know, it's Wing Magazine rated it, I think, like the number three greatest title fight across all divisions, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Just heavyweight of all time. And I'm when, not like, trying to be a that, hater. When they did that rankings in the late nineties, I think it was or something. So. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a hater. Like, it's fun. Don't get me wrong, but it's kind of like pixelated. I mean, Purple gets dropped like over a dozen times. And yeah. Then that one punch. Well, he some dropped Dempsey twice, but, you know. Some of that. them aren't clean because he's just like falling over. He's so exhausted yeah, a round and a half is. into the fight, you know. I mean, so it's, don't get me wrong, dude. It's a good fight, but all I'm saying is that like, it's now, sloppy as shit. Well, here's another more uh, more current example. Everybody loves Derek Jefferson, Maurice Harris. <laughs> You know, I love Derek Jefferson and Maurice Harris. Every, I mean, you know, if you're if you yeah, watch trading Star, sloppy knockdowns, I that was the sloppiest shit you'd ever see, especially from Jefferson. Harris was a very good boxer, so I'm not going to knock him on that. But like Jefferson was sloppy as all hell. That knockout that he hit him with was like one of the wild haymaker drunk punches that someone that would you know in a back alley brawl. He type. You know, he did. He was out. Yeah, on he like ran into it. That. Yeah, it, it wasn't like he didn't set nothing up. He just ran into it, and he no, didn't see it, was it coming. Like, it was basically if he missed that punch, one more was going to knock him completely over, and he was going to be cooked. That's where it was. But no, he you know Harris ended up walking into it and splatting him. And that's what, you know, Derek Jefferson, I love you, but go back and watch that. There's nothing, you know, there's no high-level, like, chess yeah. going on in that fight. It's, it's heavyweights. And, and that's the funny thing, too, is that the other heavyweight fight on that card uh oleg maskev versus hasim rahman won uh, those were the same night so there's yes. you know a knockout of the year contenders back to back but both fights were sloppy as shit leading up to that and people are like oh that's yeah. got to be crazy like, yeah it kind of was good knockouts but the fights were pretty sloppy i mean another wild brawl from that same era was hasim rahman Corey sanders yep you know, think about that like old guys you know, it's a little bit. I w- I'm not gonna say that was like complete sloppy. Everything like there was, there was definitely some skill involved in that, especially with Sanders being tricky with his, with his quickness and everything. Yeah. But like, it, but still, when those exchanges start, it goes for any type, mo- almost, and you know, especially as you get more modern, any type of like when there's major exchanges going on with heavyweights, you're not gonna be seeing these guys trying to do the Mayweather slip and slide and everything like countering and James Tony, Mike McCallum type exchanges over there. Like, they're going to go in, they're going to be trading back and forth, and that's what people love about heavyweights. They brawl. 
Yeah, it's it's some sort of pipe dream that people have invented in their head, like all of these like super skilled heavyweights that like, and some of the great uh, Holmes Norton, you know, yeah. like, I'm not saying that it was unskilled. That's not even remotely not even what close. I'm saying. There was tons of, especially early on. But if you but, watch the last round and both guys are dead exhausted. Yeah. You know, one of the greatest rounds and they're the just bop, yeah. bop, bop, you know, just last smacking 30 at seconds, each other. They stand toe to toe and they just swing haymakers at each other. Yeah. And that's what was great. You know it what I mean? Awesome. Yeah. So, and so, yeah, it's just, it's this kind of, it, whatever it is, it's just, they're not going to be happy. Let's just kind of boil it down. No, to that. that was it definitely, like you said, man, you, you, you hit all the points. That's, that's the fight of the year. And I think so. Yeah. There, but, but like we said, there was a lot of, there were a lot of really good fights and a lot of uh, really good fights that weren't heavyweight fights. The, this, this year in 2021, you know, and even that, you know, uh, tons of them, tons of them. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say even uh, Shannon Courtney versus Ebony Bridges. That was another fight that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, it was back and forth. Both of them wound up with their faces, especially Ebony Bridges, looking yeah. like hell. Yeah, that, that's always fun when one fighter winds up <laughs> looking like they got put through a meat grinder. But yeah, there was there was a lot of fun scraps this year, man. But the the big boys, when the big boys get it right, it's really tough to beat. Always, man. You can't. It's it's just the the drama that it produces, everything, all the attributes to it. You can't you can't beat that. And I don't know, yeah, you know, I can't wait to see. With that being said, I can't wait to see what's going to happen in 2022 with uh, Wilder and Fury. You know, what I mean, Fury hopefully looks like he's going through his own issues, I guess, with uh, trying to figure out a fight with uh, with Dillian White, which obviously you knew that would be a headache. <laughs> Man, I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and you know. I guess do some self-referential shit here, but I interviewed Otto Wallen a little while back on the show and I'm trying to get back into doing more interviews. It's just kind of like, dude, I'm not about to start bugging people at the end of the year in the holiday season. But regardless, I interviewed Otto Wallen who talked about the Dillian White fight. Dillian White pulls out with his whatever injury, shoulder injury or whatever, immediately starts negotiating with Fury, which is pretty much what a lot of people called and thought would happen. And so now Otto Wallen is left out in the dust and they haven't even made the fucking Fury White fight, dude. Holy shit. Oh, and, the, shit and I show. Guess, yeah, I, I don't get into negotiations because I don't care. But like I was reading, can't, can't hide from it on Twitter. But like yeah, I, no someone shit. posted somewhere something about, I guess, White is demanding a certain amount of money or something like that. And that's what's going on. I don't know. I don't, who knows? But like whatever it may be, I couldn't give a shit about White. So like whatever happens, I hope Fury stays active and has a significant fight that ends against Usyk or something like that because I'm pretty sure Usyk will beat Joshua in a rematch and if that happens my dream would be my dream fights for the division involve Wilder because I think he's awesome you know in terms of excitement <laughs> um so Wilder against either Andy Ruiz or um Joshua would be absolutely ideal yeah, that that AJ Wilder fight's still appealing, dude. There's still nothing you, wrong oh with that. Oh my god, fight. you too. I don't care if those guys can lose multiple times. I just want to see them fight once because you know it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, and I think a lot of people put emphasis on like, well, we could have seen it when they were undefeated. Whatever, that's fine. That would have been cool, I guess, but I don't really care so much about that. Just the style clash would be fun. It would be fun. It and would I mean, be, it would be a lot of fun, but hopefully it doesn't like wait too long that it happens way at way, way, way after true. the expiration date. Like uh, a fight that doesn't get mentioned anymore, Roy Jones, Felix Trinidad. (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, I'm about well. to say that was more like a dream fight because like they weren't really in the same division, but like you know what I mean. But when it finally happened, had Bernard I mean, Hopkins. You guys are in not... the same division. I know there's so many politics, especially with Eddie Hearn and the PBC and the way they kind of operate and everything. But like, it, it has to happen, man. I hope so. That's just that would be. A, Joshua has that type of style that it's not like Fury where he's going to give the guy fits. Like he's so much more stationary that he's going to get clipped at some point. Like there's no yeah. way Wilder's not going to land some wild haymaker or at least straight right that's going to bomb him and drop him hard. Yeah, he couldn't, point, you know. he couldn't get away from some of the shots that Usyk was throwing. Oh, and I mean, no, yeah. you got to give it to him because he's tough. You know, he hasn't gotten laid out even against Ruiz. He got up, you know, he was, he didn't give the answers the ref wanted, I guess, but regardless you know he's he's clearly proven that he's he's tough he's just i think that what we're seeing with aj and is what we're seeing with a lot of bigger heavyweights is that they're kind of stiff they're not nearly as they might be very athletic but there's a massive difference between being athletic and being good at boxing mm-hmm like, I mean, AJ has a, uh, an incredible physique. Like, the dude's like a weightlifter and shit. But some of the best fighters you've ever seen don't have physiques like that. Like, they might not have, like, a really well... Again, I'm not... I said this show on the last show. I'm not trying to be, like, Mr. Fitness expert here, bro. But, but I mean, like, you know, a lot of the best fighters you've ever seen don't have, like, balanced uh, bodybuilding physiques like that. And I think that we that's what we see with a lot of heavyweights who come... who who get started in boxing a little later than a lot of other fighters and especially heavyweights who started in another sport. Like uh, Michael Grant is always going to be like one of the prime examples because he started in football and basketball and then moved his way to boxing, like in college or after college or some shit. And it was like, you can, you can see that in the style of a lot of these fighters. I don't want to get too far away from this, but regardless. Yeah. Same thing with AJ. You can see that he's extremely athletic he knows what he's doing and what he wants to do, but there's a difference between being a good athlete and being an instinctual fighter, kind of having to think in there. And that that second or so, whatever it is, leads to AJ getting fucking tagged, man. And but that that also makes for fun. Is, fights. Man, that's what that's that's the thing with AJ. He he is a good boxer, you know. He has very good skills and it's brought him uh this, you know, this far already in this uh in boxing, but like you said, man, he overthinks a lot too. And when things aren't going his way, it's the way he's like asking his trainer stuff like that. What should I do next? What's going to work against him? How do you think that like, you know, is yeah. You can see him thinking in there and that ain't going to cut it at the, he's not, he's not a guy that's like, you know, can quickly just like adapt to a new plan and try to adjust and go through that. Like someone like Fury can like you saw the way Fury adjusted, especially after getting actually cussed by Wilder and he thought it might be over. I thought it was going to be over that round. And then, like, he was able, because he has Larry Holmes' recuperative powers, like I said, and can think his way through these things and just know how to, like, get himself back into a fight. That's what he ended up doing. And um, Joshua is not the person that can do something like that, I don't think, mentally. So that's what's just going to make things even more awesome and wilder. That will be your true form in Lyle, possibly. I think it could be a lot of fun, dude. In 2022, uh, we're kind of in a weird spot with the pandemic and stuff like that. And so I have no idea what's going to happen. But that's what we thought last year, too. We were kind of like, eh, I don't know, it's going to be 2021. It wound up being kind of awesome. So, um, you know, for the fight of the year, then, if we end with an ex- in 
outstanding knockout, really. What was your knockout of the year? What do you think was the best knockout? It was some knockouts this year, man. But probably overall, again, I'm probably just going with a consensus here, but you got to go for me. Burchell getting absolutely splattered against uh, Oscar Valdez at the beginning of the year. That was, bro, that was such a, and I think that was in the, was, was that in, that was in front of a big crowd, wasn't it? No, just like a very sparse crowd, one of those. I think it was a small crowd, yeah. I think it was uh, minimal. Yeah, you know, because that like accentuated the knockout, you know what I mean? When you heard the way you just kind of pow, pow, and then just falling flat unconscious on your face, the way you just, you know, you, mm, 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 mm-mm-mm-mm. one of those knockouts where like they're just going in that direction almost as if like yeah there's just nothing stopping them just pure dropping you get face planted like that you don't get up i don't care i've never seen a fighter ever get up from that just normally and just keep on continuing doesn't happen yeah it's like there's there's been a handful of times where shit like that maybe kind of happens but like not quite like that and no when you play and you just you know nose first and you just nah yeah no, that was that was brutal. bad and i and i think that like uh even i uh i i kind of was a guest co-host or whatever on the last round uh the other week and we talked about knockout of the year and i think i even picked fury wilder three as knockout of the year but then after thinking about it and after kind of like looking over some dude that was a great knockout don't get me wrong but it was also kind of like it was like kind of going in that direction already. Yeah, like, man. That was like the siege. That was like summing it up at the end. You know yeah, what I mean? There was not, it, it, yeah, it was a great knockout. I'm not going to talk it down. Completely but, not. I mean, it was very dramatic too. That like put the exclamation point on a great wild brawl. But yeah, it was, wild that was, was kind of, it was incredible. But Oscar Valdez versus Miguel Burchelt was more like just kind of emphatic, shocking out of nowhere and like oh my god yes like you're you're worried for this guy for a couple minutes here like you're worried you we gotta gotta shut up for a minute and just kind of wait and see if everybody's okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and especially because you're not used to seeing miguel burchelt like that so it was that was i think that we've already seen deontay what's that he was the favorite in that fight i think so I'm not positive, but I think so. I, I, well, he, I thought that he was, uh, if not going to win, I didn't think he was going to get knocked out. I definitely didn't think he was going to get knocked So I think that the shock factor also plays into it a lot, dude. But, so I, I think I'd probably change my pick from over there for here and say, yeah, I agree with you, dude. Be- Vesquez, also, Burchell. Too, I mean, but brutal. again, this was the year of like some ridiculous knockouts. Uh, brutal. Nonito Donaire made a tremendous comeback and scored a couple of highlight reel um, victories, especially his one over um, Nordano Bali. Yeah, the um, Bali knockout was... was vicious, vicious, man. That was... And it was awesome, too, because that was a fight that a lot of people thought, you know, considering the war Donaire was coming off of with um, the monster, that you had to wonder, you know, how much they have left, especially at that age. And Obali was, you know, definitely not no cheese champion or nothing like that. Dude was a legit, um, tough, tough guy, very highly skilled, long time, um, champion for a minute, had a lot of credentials under his belt. And he was built. If you see Obali, like, you know, his back and everything, like he's a really well-built guy and Donaire just splattered him. 
You, um, you can't let Nonino Donaire get his paws on you, dude. You no, man, do that's it. I don't care. Donaire's going to be 89 years old in a, in a facility somewhere in his wheelchair, still knocking guys out with a left hook if they get too close to him. You, um, can't, you can't let him touch you. No, nah, absolutely <laughs> not. That's it. That quick trigger hook. And uh, Connor Ben's knockout was really eye-popping near the end of the over here against Algeria. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Poor Algeria. Yeah. That was a vicious one. Also, too, uh, Gabe Rosado's very, very uh, surprising KO over uh, Beck the Bully. Yeah, it's uh, Beck Tamir Melikuziev. Yep. Yep. Beck the Bully. That was that was pretty good too, and especially, uh, especially, I think that literally, like, it was like fifteen seconds before it happened, I tweeted. Yeah, Gabe Rosado is not going to be able to knock this guy out. So his best hope is blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, thump. And I was like, uh, <laughs> okay. I mean, it did look like all hope was going to be like lost on him early on when he got dropped with a body shot. Like he was staying competitive because as he always does, because he's a, he's a pro's pro. Yeah. Uh, um, I was, I was more happy that he got the knockout than sad that I made a shitty call a moment before because sure. that was crazy. Yeah. Because, well, I honestly didn't, that was part of the shock factor and that also was part of it. Like that it was uh, Beck the Bully is just even by nickname. Uh, you know, he's got the reputation. He's kind of up and coming. Oh, and he, he was scheduled to fight Kovalev and everyone thought he was going to steamroll Kovalev before the before the Rosado fight ended up happening. So Gabe Rosado, the perennial like loser or opponent, yeah. yeah, sparring partner, whatever you want to call him. He's been called all of these things. So for him to step up and get that knockout was pretty cool. He had a hell of a year, too, because of that. Sure. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And what else? Uh, Mark Magsayo over Julio Ceja. Yeah. Dude, I even saw a couple people. I don't think they too. I don't think they very seriously chose it, but Jake Paul's knockout of Tyron Woodley. It was a vicious knockout, though, regardless. (laughs) It was boxing. I mean, it it was boxing. And it was was another face first planting. I'm not, not saying quite it's quite as dramatic favorite. and vicious as uh, Burchell, the way he uh, went down, but still, nonetheless, that was pretty dramatic. And, and not again, something I, I don't think anyone expected. <laughs> again, I think that we're talking about the motherfucking hashtag levels here, bro. You know, like the world, this happened, uh, Oscar Valdez over Miguel Burchell happened on a world class level. And I think that's, that's what sets it apart from just about everything else perhaps apart from Donaire Ubali, but just about everything else is not, not quite there. For sure. Um, let's see, what else? Well, I mean, I think that it's also fairly important. We got to talk about the upset of the year because that kind of uh, one of the bigger upsets of the year was one of the bigger stories of the year. And it essentially, I mean, it was like a never fucking ending saga between Teofimo Lopez Jr. and George Cambosos to the point where it was a cool fight, great. Oh, it's it's fine for a stay, you know, stay busy fight. And then finally before it happened, people were like, I don't care. Just like get it over with already. And then by the time, you know, the the decisions happening, it was like holy shit. You know, it, it was, it turned into a, a totally different kind of Cinderella story. Uh, and on top of that, the fact that it happened toward the end of the year was so massive. So I think that the, the upset of the year has got to be talked about. And perhaps I just called it right now, but what, what do you think was the biggest upset of the year? 
by that one by far absolutely no no question um originally in the middle of i thought warrington lara might still end up being upset of the year but like you said it all man cambosis teofimo lopez lopez undisputed lightweight champion no matter what the wbc or anyone else tries to tell you and he beat lomachenko like not only did he beat lomachenko like he beat it without any controversy like this was he was riding high man no one there was basically even amongst all the um young lines or kings or whatever you want to call the other small you know studs of the lightweight division lopez was looked upon as like maybe even still a step above them you know what i mean and for him to lose to Cambosis, which not taking anything away from Cambosis, he actually showed himself and put on the performance of the year probably with that with that victory. Um, that was that was huge. That was a huge upset. Lopez wasn't supposed to lose that fight. That was a mandatory defense. You're supposed to get out of the way. And the drama was, and the story for that fight was how long it took for him to actually get into the ring. The fight was supposed to be, you know, an afterthought. Exactly. Yeah, the the overall arc and story or whatever of everything that happened before that fight actually took place was like, that's what makes it so absurd and I think such a big upset is that George Cambosos had to go through, had to jump through so many hoops just to get to the point where he was given, you know, pretty much if you're playing by the quote unquote rules or whatever, what he deserved. He, he didn't, he wasn't like being really gifted anything. I, I mean, in reality, was he, I guess, you know, especially if we're kind of doing a little uh, crusade against the alphabet belts. But if you're playing within the rules of the fucking system that we have, which is shitty, but nonetheless, the system we have, Cambosos was, you know, this was his shot. Like this was the shot that he earned and was owed. And so it wasn't his fault that Teofimo Lopez decided to do some dumbass shit and get positive with COVID. It wasn't his fault that this uh, wound up being, um, you know, Triller entered the equation and kind of knocked the whole orbit of this entire thing off financially in terms of date and et cetera, and then wound up exiting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's not George Camboso's fault. But regardless, he overcame all of these things. And it's not to say that there weren't other fighters who overcame some things. Sandor Martin over Mikey Garcia, you know, obviously on a different level, but nonetheless, Sandor Martin. That was a huge, huge upset, too. That Dude, was Spain had a great year, man. Kiko Martinez and Sandor Martin. I mean, that was, well, that's another one that we should have mentioned for knockout. Yep. Yeah, for Kid Galahad. I mean, Spain yeah. had a great year. It just again the the levels here are just slightly different but nonetheless spain had a great year in terms of upsets oh yeah and... man major major uh major bounce back but yeah martin mikey garcia because mikey garcia again even though he's not very active he's still considered one of the big names in the sport one of the premier names and whenever he becomes active there's a lot of buzz around him because people are always speculate about what potential fights he could be in because he's still considered one of the elite names right Maybe not quite where he was before the yeah. Spence fight, but he's still considered, you know, this was supposed to be a gimme fight for him. Originally, you know, he was um, he was apparently in deep in negotiations with um, Regis Progray for a fight that was supposed to be on uh, DAZN. And that had a lot of buzz and a lot of people really excited about it. Then Garcia decided that, you know, he needed a tune-up before Progray. 
And that's where Sandor Martin came in. Uh, and, famous last words, dude. Yeah. And, you know, and it's interesting word. too. The thing that caught my eye is that everyone has always speculated over the years that Garcia turned to boxing, not so much because he loved it. It was because he was good at it. And that's what his family did. And that really proved more, more so than any time after that fight, because he was so nonchalant about losing, he, you know, he lost the fight. He was like, oh, it's no big deal. Lost one, whatever. It was, you know, he didn't give a shit. Yeah. Officer Garcia, we got a 90, 41. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I, I like Mikey Garcia overall. He's a very good fighter, but um, I think that he's obviously suffered from not knowing exactly what weight he can or should fight at, I suppose. I mean, it, it's, and that's also a product, I think, of what is considered worthwhile or, you know, the whole multiple weight championship. I would have loved to see Mikey Garcia at lightweight now. Like, among... well, that's where he should have been at the first place. You know, he got enticed to move up to um, the challenge Spence and others. I don't know, you know. Which, fine, like, that's cool. You know, it's all good. But I would love to see a fighter of that quality at lightweight now among some of the fighters that we have there now. But now at this oh, point... Oh, yeah, man. He would be. He would match up so well. I would love to see him fight someone like Haney or Ryan Garcia or, um, you yeah, know, I think Loma still would trounce him. I always thought that when they would fight, but that would still be an interesting fight. Or, you know, or even Tank for that matter. But... I don't think he could be nah. able to like go back to 135. Yeah, you ain't going to get him to 135 now. I don't think you're going to get him to 135 now. So I'm it's sure like he can get him to 140. Yeah. So that's that's one of the big problems is that he's now fighting kind of at a at a level where he, he doesn't really belong. And then, you know, being as inactive as he is and not only inactive if he's disinterested, dude, it's like he's just kind of collecting a paycheck which is unfortunate because yeah, because you know, no, there's no discredit to Martin. He's a good fighter and he proved his worth that night. He put on a hell of a performance, but if Garcia was in any type of really shape and really like exerted himself, I don't think you, you know, he would have lost that night. Yeah. And, and yeah, again, not to take anything away from Sandor Martin, because he scored a, a massive upset in 2021, but you do have to question Mikey Garcia's, uh, you know, quality there, but there were also a couple other, upsets worth mentioning like for instance i brought this up to you before we started the show alicia Baumgartner over terry harper was a pretty big upset in women's boxing and in boxing overall because a lot of people myself included were wondering whether or not alicia Baumgartner was good enough to be able to sustain like uh what she did against terry harper just outboxing her round after round after round and beating her down i didn't see that happening i thought it was gonna be more of kind of like a war you know going back mm -hmm. and forth that wasn't what happened whatsoever. And yeah, so she made her presence on the scene. Yeah, man. Uh, kind of arriving on the scene, scoring a big win like that was massive. And so she started now a rivalry with uh, Michaela Mayer, which has been gaining <laughs> a lot of traction on Twitter with all the trash talk between them. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff, dude. You know, that's the kind of stuff that uh, I'm all for it. I love it. It's fights. Hopefully, they can get in the ring and do their thing. I mean, Amanda Serrano and Katie Taylor is still the consensus, like, dream fight in women's boxing that everyone's kind of clamoring for, along with uh, Clarissa Shields, I would say, against um, Savannah Marshall, maybe. Those are the yeah. two big ones, right? Yeah, Those and I, well, ones, I, 
Savannah Marshall was the one who she defeated uh, Clarissa Shields in the amateurs, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that a lot of people, and she's also visibly, she's good. You can tell that she's... Oh, yeah, yeah. And she's a hard hitter and she's well-rounded. Yeah, she could punch. She's a good fighter. So you can tell like that's got a lot of interest to it. I don't know what Clarissa Shields is up to, but obviously that's one of those kinds of fights that you would like to see after losing in mixed martial arts. So I think it, it sounds like she's kind of off of that and coming back to boxing uh which is all good so yeah. yeah that's obviously one of those fights you'd like to see but amanda serrano um you know she's clearly one of the best fighters and one of the best women fighters around so that's that's a rivalry that's got to happen i mean too. she certainly uh see how she transformed that poor girl's face in the last fight that she had oh man she she's just on a different level than most fighters she gets in with period so yeah. that's yeah, that's good stuff. But I'd have to say, I agree with you, man. Uh, Cambosos over Teofimo Lopez, the entire package of what he had to go through, um, you know, the odds, et cetera. And then and getting the drama, in it, the drama one that, and that has the fight as the fight unfolded, because again, everyone thought everyone's, you know, um, what Lopez said, he was going to knock him on the first round, right? You know, he was running his mouth, you know, that all the, all the heated buildup between both of them through everything that went through. I mean, you can do an entire episode. We can talk about two or three hours about all the BS that went down before this fight just to get to this event. You know, with Lopez getting in COVID and this one, the sick and this, all this other stuff and Triller and their drama. Trainers and, and fathers crazy. fighting. Yes. And fighters. It was a whole crazy mess. So to say that these two like were sick of each other, hated each other, just wanted this fight over with and wanted to get it on already was like, you know, an understatement majorly. So, of course, Lopez, you know, comes out firing in the first round. And then when Cambosas dropped him at the end of that round, that was like that statement. Everyone's just like, oh, you know, that was, you know, it was the big thing right there. And that was like the start of, of the drama. That was the big thing. Everyone's like, oh my God, this is huge, you know, because no one expected to see two people get dropped. And that wasn't just a flash knockdown. Like he got dropped on his high pretty good. So, yeah, you can, well, and he even got up like, okay okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. like he wasn't getting up like oh come on that wasn't shit he was getting up like all right all right damn you got me it was it almost reminded me like even though that um this guy didn't get dropped but remember when nate campbell fought juan diaz um (laughs) yep and like the first round or the first round or so campbell whooped on him in a fight that everyone thought diaz was gonna like swarm him campbell whooped on him and at the end of the round he looked him and goes all night (laughs) something like i remember that Yeah, Yeah. yeah yeah he was uh he put on like a inside fighting clinic. Honestly, I didn't think I dude, I could not stand Nate Campbell at that time. I loved Juan Diaz. And I remember watching that and just being like, Oh my God, this guy is just beating the hell out of him. And yeah, at one point after like, right as one of the round ends, he, he yelled all night right in his face. And it was like, yeah. Oh Jesus, this is going to be a long <laughs> night. That kind of like the same, same kind of same dynamic, like Cambosas dropped them. And at the end of the round, you see him turn and kind of like mouth something to um to lopez and lopez just kind of like okay yeah yeah you know but as you said man the drama that's unfolded was a really tough fight that cambosas was was you know you can get the sense that he was ahead but it was still a close fight and then when he got dropped what was it around round 10 or so when he got dropped um everyone kind of figured at that point i think that oh okay lopez you know tough fight everything but it looks like he's finally going to close the show but no and instead cambosas came back and decisively you know won the fight yeah he i was oh man yeah i was white knuckled there for a minute just thinking (laughs) oh shit man he 
he came so close and now he's going to wind up getting just bowled over here. And not only did that not happen, but yeah, he closed big in the 12th and just, he, he brought out everything he had, dude, you got to yeah. give it to, to George Cambosos. And I, I don't know about all this rhetoric about what did he say? He said something like getting 80,000 people in Sydney. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that would happen. I don't know. I mean, I know you, you always hear that whenever there's a huge, I, I love, I love Australian boxing and I love, you know, everything like that, but it's always kind of the same thing that every time there's a huge, huge, huge win for Australian <laughs> boxing, you hear the first thing that they're going to, you know, that the, their first defense or the rematch is going to be taking place somewhere in front of like 200,000 people in, in some stadium or whatever, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm obviously exaggerating. Yeah. I think it might be a little bit of a, of an exaggeration in terms of the crowd. They could maybe Obviously, not, yeah. maybe they could, but they always say, oh. yeah, yeah, we're going to, you know, I mean, Jeff Fennick used to pack him in, pack him in. That's what I was going to say. It was maybe in the oh. old, old Sydney stadium when Jeff Fennick used to jam the jam. The, I don't know. Maybe they could, but either way, um, it does seem that at least for the time being, Cambosos win has kind of like uh, lit a little bit of a fire uh, under Australian and you know boxing. And you know what's been good for him too is um, how visible he's been after the fight. He didn't just go right back to Australia and celebrate or whatever. Like he stood in the states for well, almost like a month afterwards, it seemed, or a few weeks. Um, was ringside for was was ringside for a few fights. Made himself yep. known, everything like that. Was accessible to anyone who wanted to have an interview with him or anything like that. And yeah, man, he did what and really built to a lot of fans out here too who otherwise weren't that familiar with him you know like he definitely proved his totally. worth so no question dude you I, I gotta give it to him i think that he's it's a it's a really cool thing and he's got a yeah he's had a, a cool last little portion of the year because of that win for sure oh yeah man yep so good for him he stood his ground he didn't you know conform conform when um or give in when when trillo was trying to force him to have the fight when they wanted to yep and there's like a week and a half over. notice or two weeks mm -hmm. notice yeah or yeah, yeah and everything like that dude, tried to force me? in and all this stuff and he was like i'm not doing that and everything worked on its own you know what i mean karma uh <laughs> i was i was just gonna say too that there was that less so with sandor martin mikey garcia but it did feel with that too like there was just a little bit of like justice karma yeah. whatever you want to call it were like i mean like i said less so with mikey garcia because with him it's just that he's he's just been inactive to my knowledge he hasn't been like a bad guy but with teofimo lopez the stretching out of all this shit some of the stuff he said to the press the cockiness the way that he acts and it kind of got to the point where it's like bro you beat lomachenko granted you beat him solidly but that's like the only dude you've beaten and you did have some difficulty so chill and prove yourself and instead he kind of you know just rested on his laurels as they say and wound up getting beat yep so fuck it it did have the it did have an air of justice to it and it was fun so since we we just brought up a couple of women fighters a couple of women's fights uh under upset of the year in particular just gonna ask you who did who do you think was the best in women's boxing this year who was your fighter of the year i mean i'm not sure if you consider her the best because it's uh all together but i would say the fighter of the year for women's boxing has to be serrano for me amanda serrano i mean yeah, she, she just um 
the you know the like for she was active for one that might not have been the type you know top competition that we wanted to see her against but the fact that she was active and the fact that she's teamed up now with jay paul and you know, regardless of your feelings of Jake Paul, you know, he's obviously um, either love or hate him. You know, he's a very, he's uh, that type of individual. People have a lot of mixed feelings on him. You have to give him credit for what he's done for uh, the work he's done with Amanda Serrano. You know, she's, well, I believe the first female fighter now has been able to make over a million dollars like the way she has. And she's brought a lot of attention and prominence to the sport. And considering that she's right up there being if not the best female fighter on the planet, you know, either 1A or 1B or something like that. Um, people get to see uh, women's boxing at the highest level with her, you know, and, and more eyes get to see it at least. So yeah, in terms of all of that, I would have to say it was her. She did really good, man. No, often Clarissa Shields seems to get a lot of the attention, uh, not only because she's bigger, but she makes a lot more noise. Uh, I mean, she's just noisy in general in the sense that she's, I mean, right or wrong, whether you like her or not, she's very, yeah. she's very vocal about what she feels she deserves in terms of uh, both attention, financially. So again, right or wrong, as like Jake Paul and Clarissa Shields, I'm not comparing them equally, but like they have, they have polarizing personalities that right. people feel very strongly about. Exactly, and so um, I think the last few years, a lot of the attention has gone more to Clarissa Shields. And I'm not going to argue, but. Meanwhile, Amanda Serrano has been plugging along, has been continuing to win and, and maintain She's made position. incredible records in, in, the, in the sport. Uh, granted, the competition is, you know, obviously not what it is in, in men's for boxing, but still what she's been able to do and the way she's moved up and weight and other stuff like this is, you know, wild. See, that's the, that's the tricky thing with women's boxing. And while it is changing, it's kind of changing slowly and we're not there yet to the point where there's a lot of competition. Mm -hmm. But it's tricky to kind of gauge what this win is versus what that win is for somebody else if they're in different divisions because different divisions have different depths and et cetera. But, you know, it's tough because with Clarissa Shields, there's not much opposition in her weight division, whether it's in MMA or in boxing, whereas Amanda Serrano <laughs> is, you know, down toward weights that just have a lot more opposition and a lot better competition overall. But Amanda Serrano fought three times during 2021, twice defended uh, her feather, her unified featherweight title. And on the third fight a couple of weeks ago, she beat the heck out of, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but made a lot of money doing it. Oh man, absolutely bludgeoning that poor girl. She, oh man. She looked terrible. like extra in a monster movie when it was done, man. That was just bad. It was terrible. Like whether you like Jake Paul or not, dude, and I'm not his biggest fan. I don't, I, it's not, I don't really like him that much. I'm able to kind of recognize that he's developed as a fighter more than mm -hmm. a lot of people are willing to admit. And is probably more dangerous than a lot of people are willing to admit in the ring. But outside of the ring, you do have to give him some amount of credit. Where like, uh, if Amanda Serrano were getting paid what she's supposed to getting supposed to be getting paid, if fighters were getting paid based on their skill or based on merit, Amanda Serrano probably would have been getting paid more money a long time ago. But at the very least, what Jake Paul has done is raise awareness to the fact that number one, women aren't getting paid shit. Number two, a lot of fighters aren't getting uh, paid what they could be getting paid because of what's being taken off of the top, which is something that Floyd Mayweather also did uh, to a, did to and for a number of different fighters. 
and I mean, you know, it's a totally different discussion, but nonetheless did happen. And Jake Paul is able to kind of push this conversation, at least for Amanda Serrano for the time being into a realm where she's getting paid very well and getting paid what she should be getting paid. So, I mean, again, like him or not, that's big. And Amanda Serrano achieving that too, and being able to recognize that that's what she should do to make that money and get that recognition is that's also big. So that kind of, I think in some way counts toward the toward her being fighter of the year influentially. Oh, for sure. You nailed all of them. And Women's boxing in general is as healthy as it's ever been, you know, going into 2022. It has a lot of attention. Um, the fighters are finally getting the same amount of respect, maybe not financially, like you mentioned, but slowly growing. But like they, you know, just in general with a, with a sport that's usually always kind of found female boxing to be, I don't know, somewhere like a joke or like a sideshow. But now with that, with all that stuff, and you see like these really like the skill level of these fighters now are not, it's not so sparse, but you see like much more of them around and the fights that are being made and everything. It's really good stuff. And it's really awesome to see, you know, how, how far it's gone and what's been developing. And um, with that being said, um, you also have to mention female fighters like Michaela Mayer, who had a hell of a year herself um, becoming ring magazine champion, I believe after her win over Hamadouche regardless of, you know, how wonky those scorecards were, that was still one of the best fights of the year, male or female. And um, she came through in it. So she's held in a high position right now as one of the top female fighters in the world. And you also have to mention her, uh, her rival now, Alicia Baumgarten, who um, came on the scene with a huge victory. And again, has been very visible since then making the rounds and has now entered a social media or it seems with, um, with Michaela Mayer. So Along with Katie Taylor against um, Amanda Serrano, that's another fight that's to, to hope potentially and hopefully look forward to in 2022. Yeah, Katie Taylor, without question, is another another fighter who deserves to be in the conversation. Um, I mean, it's it's a little tricky, and the only reason why I say it's a little tricky is because I think that she's had like the win against Natasha Jonas, for instance, was really good, but she's also struggled and in some of her other fights where she's uh, not won super clearly. And also, I got to kind of ding her a couple times for the voice. I'm, I'm just kidding. No, she's a very good fighter. And, but I do think, I do wonder, uh, and I think that this has kind of been asked among a lot of UK publications and stuff like that who pay closer attention, if she is kind of getting toward the latter portion of her career and how much her amateur career uh, knocked off the You can see it that she had, that she maybe slowed down a little bit. She has had, yeah. and she's had, a, like you mentioned, she's had some rough fights as a pro. Um, well, I, I worked one of them at MSG. I think it was her first fight. That's one of the fights they mentioned. She didn't win clearly, but I can't remember the, uh, the fighter that she fought that night. Um, well, she's wildly popular in Ireland. And so, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, if you're, if you're talking about influence, if you're factoring influence into it, she's going to be kind of toward the top of the heap for the picks of fighter of the year as well. But you mentioned Alicia Baumgartner, uh, you know, her win over Terry Harper is pretty big. And uh, Callie Reese also fought twice yeah. this year, but she also struggled in both fights pretty clearly. Um, and also, is probably reaching the latter portion of her career as well. Cause she's been fighting for a while and she's also kind of entering 
Uh, she was in an independent film this year, and she's also been uh, stepping up and representing for indigenous people a lot more in recent months. So she's also, you know, if we're talking about influence, also is going to figure out into this conversation, but leads back to what you had just said, is that there's some clear momentum for women's boxing right now, which is good. Yeah, I'm excited for its future. Um, it's definitely come a long way from what I watched in the in the mid-90s when Christy Martin, don't get me wrong, Trailblazer and Hall of Famer, rightfully so, but just beating up women who had no business being anywhere, you know, within a 100-foot radius of her, let alone a boxing ring type deal, you know what I mean? But, totally, dude. Yeah, and, and there are a number of fights still. What was it? Uh, I believe it was Sanisa Estrada. Oh God, I forgot about that one. That was like um on I think it was, that was just yeah, that was a televised mugging. Or it could have been worse. That was bad. It was like she landed like I think it was one or two punches. And it was like, you know, four seconds in or something like that. And the lady and she had no done. business being in the ring. Like, it was clear that she had no business so, whatsoever being anywhere close to that. Fight. Obviously, yeah. these fights still happen and they still happen on the level where it's like one fighter is really good and has no business fighting somebody who just can't fight. But regardless, they do happen. It's getting better, though. It's getting much better. So that's something to be looking forward to in 2022 as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that, for the most part, sums up the awards. There's all sorts of, like, micro or smaller awards, or I don't know if you want to call them less important, but um, one of the like things... Like what KO Magazine used to do? <laughs> Remember they would have their wacky ones where they had, like, all kinds yep. of... Like I do. Yeah, yeah, because a number of websites started doing similar stuff in like the early 2000s. But I remember KO had a bunch of really good yeah, awards. Yeah, like the Pac Cry Tac Baby Tac of the Year and shit like that. Tac Macatini Name of the Year. Then, <laughs> uh, what else did they have? Yeah, Comeback of the Year. This one, that one. They had, a, they had a bunch of like, but like funny ones too. Ken Norton Media Good Guy Award. Um, <laughs> Azuma Nelson Comeback. Yeah, Azuma Nelson Comeback. Oh no, Azuma Nelson Where Did He Come From Award. Which would probably go to um, Mauricio Lara if you want to give that award to somebody. And, yeah, dude. Um, there's, you know, there's. Uh, well, I guess you could say who's trainer of the year, but as I said earlier, trainer of the year, trainer of the year is generally going go to. It usually goes hand in hand. Yeah, what's fighter of the year? I can't. Why wouldn't it? Yeah. Exactly. That's kind of a. It'd be tough to argue it. So yeah, it's probably going to go to Eddie Reynoso, who also, uh, you know. I'm, I, I believe he trained or was in Ryan Garcia's corner for uh, he was the Campbell fight. The Campbell fight, yeah. Definitely. All right. So yeah. So he, there's a little bit so, more than the Canelo going for. Yeah, he had Canelo. He had that. Um, he had Ryan be end of the year. Um, uh, Chris, not Chris Ariola. Um, Andy Ruiz. Yeah, that's right. He's had and uh, Frank Sanchez, I think it is, right? So okay, so fair enough. All right, so there's a little bit more boost to that argument as well. It might be missing one or two. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, so I mean, I think that that kind of sums up for the most part the the regular awards, though, unless mm -hmm. we're getting kind of funky. But yeah, you know, um, dude, I, I, yeah, I was super down. I was worried that this year was going to suck. I was worried that boxing was not going to be able to pull us out of the ditch, and it did. And also, I do have to say, um, you know, this is kind of on the personal level, too, because I've been able to enjoy bare knuckle. Uh, um, I mean, I've always, not always, but for a long time, I've been a mixed martial arts fan. 
going back into the early 2000s. Um, been a boxing fan much longer. Boxing is obviously one of my, you know, my first love or my main love or whatever. But in the last couple of years or so, Bare Knuckle has been able to kind of fill a little bit of a gap. And in 2021, it also filled a really massive gap. And on top of that, we've been able to enjoy it with a small cluster of friends, uh, you know, you, me, a couple other people. And oh, it's, it's been a blast, man. That's been really cool. It's, it's such a fun thing to watch. Um, I mean, it's combat sports. It's not completely boxing or anything, but it's like, I, I don't know the element of it, the way these guys just throw down um, the fact that um, a few boxers who are at the tail end of their career or MMA guys at the tail end of their career thinking they might have a lifeline by going into this and finding out it's not as easy as they expected has been pretty awesome. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a blast. It's been a blast. And also seeing muscle-headed dudes get absolutely walloped by dudes who are woefully out of shape sometimes, but just know how to fight in general is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, you know, be between like the, for anybody unfamiliar and who hasn't totally tuned out by now, the second I said bare knuckle, um, there are two main kind of organizations for the time being, and that's BKFC, the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, and BYB Extreme, uh, and that's the that's the organization that pioneered the triangular fighting space in the last few years. Triller has kind of picked up the idea and run with it, but regardless, uh, those are the kind of two main organizations for the time being in the U.S. And so, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and it's been really cool kind of seeing it develop. And like you said, seeing people who have combat sports backgrounds and stuff like that going into it, finding out that it's like, it, it ain't the same <laughs> is is pretty funny it's yeah it's, you know page is probably the biggest name that's like tried to make the transition and uh remember we there was like a big like they had a big you know press conference she came in and challenged that girl that she was gonna fight for the first fight and all this other stuff and she hasn't even won a fight yet it's i mean granted they've been really exciting and she's clearly shown that she's tough yeah, she can throw it out oh yeah she's very competent she can super fight, tough but got her face totally wrecked in that first fight against Britain Hart. But I mean, it was like that. It was brutal, dude. It was brutal stuff. And another one, another MMA guy, Melvin Guillard got totally destroyed. There've been a number of, of fighters wow. who are actual fighters who have gone Stop, in there. Squirrely. Oh, that was disappointing. Yeah. There've <laughs> been a number of actual fighters who have gone in there and just kind of been taken aback by what happens in there. So it's yeah. a lot of fun to watch in 2021, just kind of, uh, yeah, dude, it could have been a lot worse than what it was in a lot of ways was pretty cool. So I appreciate you, you know, considering how the world, what was going on in 2020 yeah, dude. and how everyone was really very uncertain what's going on with 2021. And still, we haven't gotten out of this. We're still deep in, obviously with this new wave going on and other stuff going on in this world. Um, we're not even close to, uh, being back to normal or whatever you want to consider normal but um boxing to its credit really dug itself out of out of a hole you know and was able to put For on sure. some really memorable stuff some impressive things all during a pandemic that we're all going through right now so that being said um and what's otherwise would probably be another dark year i would assume for many people including myself um boxing was a nice bright light you know what I mean? With all the memories and different fights and activities and stuff that goes on. For sure. 
and speaking of which dude like i uh i appreciate you i appreciate everybody who listens in everybody there have been a number of people who have kind of listened in or watched on youtube and have offered support and said oh you know i really love the show it's a great show you guys are awesome and so i really appreciate those people because they've at least for me and i'm probably for you too have been a really big help in what was otherwise a funky stupid ass year in a lot of ways but then also you know you and i eris have been able to kind of do some new stuff with the true crime uh you know in some new history type of shit getting onto youtube so i appreciate that as well you know like i appreciate everything we've been able to do man it's been a lot of fun oh it's been a blast my dude i'm always thankful that we've been able to do this for as long as we have and like you said man we've been able to branch out into a few things and um bring some stories to light that otherwise haven't been told in decades or whatever it may be. So yeah, dude, I can't wait onwards and upwards to 2022. Um, We have a lot of stuff lined up, a lot of exciting things lined up. And um, I'm thankful that everyone that listens to the show and enjoys it as long as that we do too, man, because this is a blast to do. I'm just doing it because I love this shit. Not, you know, feeling that it's any type of thing. Like this is just fun for me. And I appreciate that anyone else who's passionate about it wants to listen in because I just love shooting the shit. For sure, dude. I sometimes am just in disbelief that anybody could even, it's like, we're basically just talking on the phone. So yeah. any, you know, anybody just kind of watching us or listening to us talk on the phone, because we sometimes just have these conversations apart from Zoom anyway, but it's it's a lot of fun. And uh, anyway, I'm sure that we'll be back, Eris and I in particular, with uh, some more stuff in 2022, whatever it is, true crime, recaps, previews, history, all that fun pugilistic stuff but in the meanwhile we're of course on youtube if you're watching on youtube we would be really appreciative if you if you subscribe there or wherever it is you are listening if you're listening podcast wise go ahead and subscribe wherever that may be if you're on social media though like twitter for instance we're there sometimes my buddy eris is there at punch zone eris i'm there at patrick m connor we're on facebook instagram I think that's about it because I fucking drew the line there, dude. Instagram's as far as I'm going to go. I'm not going to do it. Any... No, dude, I'm not. No, <laughs> damn it. No, I'm not going to. I don't have time for any more social media. They need to just make it an all encompassing. No, don't do that either. I don't have time for that shit. But 37, anyway. man, I don't even know how to use a TikTok or what it is. <laughs> like, I know what it is. I just, I don't, I, I, I'm getting to the age where I'm not going to adapt to yet another social media. God dang it yeah. dag nabbit no i i appreciate it though dude and eris you and i will talk soon as soon as we figure out what's going on we'll let everybody know and i appreciate it bro yeah absolutely happy holidays everyone for sure happy new year and take it easier buddy Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.